Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Is this the nightcap? Yo, this is Patrick. Nightcap. No, this is Patrick. Is this the Nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Time now for the Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. What what is the one sports opinion take narrative? What's the one Thing like that that comes up for you that'll just trigger you every single time. When someone argues that Wayne Gretzky is not the greatest team sport athlete of all time, like they'll say Michael Jordan or that seems... uh, Tom Brady, and to me it's just so blatantly obvious that Wayne Gretzky is the by far, like no one even close, greatest team sport athlete of all time. Don't even get me started on this rant. I don't know more. if I want to go down this path with you because you seem very He has more assists than anyone has goals and assists combined. If he didn't score a single goal, he'd still be the all-time NHL point leader. How can anyone say, in, across any sport, say that they have matched that level of dominance? Oh, and by the way, Wayne Gretzky has the most goals of all time. Don't start with me, Joe. It's too late in the evening. I yeah, because it could take all night. How could you argue against Wayne Gretzky? You're going to do it. You're going to trigger me right now, aren't you? The way you phrased it, I can't argue with you. How's that? Well, I guess we can move on then. We can move on. <laughs> uh, Jody Biasi, Brendan Keeney here on the Nightcap. You're right. You look at his numbers and it's just gaudy. Um, the thing, the reason I bring that up is the one thing that will trigger me every single time no doubt about it, is when someone normally from the tri-state area tries to throw in my face that Marty Brodeur is the best goaltender of all time. Brutal. Every time that will trigger me. Every single time. I hate when people refuse to play the hypothetical game. Of course you could play the hypothetical game. You could differ your opinion, but if I pose to somebody, what would have Dominic Hasek have done on the Devils? Are you really telling me it would have been worse than Marty Brodeur's? And what if Broder was on the Sabres? You think that would have looked the same? You think they would have made the finals? That triggers me 10 times out of 10. Dominic Hasek was the greatest goalie of all time. It's not even debatable. <laughs> That's I, how I feel about Gretzky. I normally, I normally will throw... Um, the one guy I will even listen to in a conversation, I will still say you're wrong. But And there's not many people out there that will make this, conver- make this debate because... 
He played a very long time ago, but Ken Dryden's numbers mm. are astounding given the the era of hockey he played in. He is second in NHL history in save percentage. That is amazing. Go look at the save percentage list, and it is Hashik 1, it is Dryden 2, and then it's like 15 guys that have played in the last 10 years. Like it's Luongo, and it's Ben Bishop, and it's Tuka Rask, and it's Varlamov. Like you're just looking at modern guys, but 1-2, it's Hashik and it's Dryden. So again, because of the era adjusted numbers for Dryden, like I won't laugh you out of the room if you try to tell me him. But again, who's out there trying to right now in 2021 trying to debate whether Ken Dryden is the best goaltender in uh, in NHL history? I'm not the one to make that argument because I never saw him play. I'm just looking at statistics. I, that's another argument I hate. Oh well, you never saw him play. Okay, well that's the point of statistics. That's true. That's the point of film. Like yeah, you're telling me I can't compare Babe Ruth to someone now. Yes, I can. That's what statistics are for. And the fact that statistics look different in different eras lets you have nuanced conversation about them. Yep. I hate that argument. Oh, you can only judge who, you, uh, who you've seen with your own two eyes. Like, no, that's not true. Dryden only played seven full seasons in the NHL, and he won five Vesnas. If he played longer, maybe he would have had... Uh... More of the win totals and such that you'll hear for Broder normally. Anyways. Didn't Ken Dryden announce, wasn't he the color commentator with Al Michaels for the yeah. 1980 Olympic team? I don't love him there, though. Really? I I kind of cringe when I hear him say unbelievable after do you believe in miracles? Yes. I think Al Michaels hits it. It's one of the greatest calls ever. And then Ken Dryden with a not very enthusiastic, unbelievable thereafter, I've always kind of cringed at that. So I kind of try to ignore that he's even a part of all of that because that's all I think about is that one word that I just wish I could take out and just replace with the the, the sound Silence. of yeah. well the sound of the crowd, right? The sound of the moment itself. How do we get on Ken Dryden? Oh, because I get triggered by people that want to tell me Marty Broder is the best goaltender uh, of all time. Uh, we'll talk lots of football tonight. In fact, we might get to it very quick, but we got to start with Dylan Cousins. I got to know where you stand on the fight, the fight itself, the value of it, how much you were entertained by it even in the moment. Where I stand today is this team does not make fans feel good very often, and in that moment, someone on the team – gave fans a positive feeling. So for that, I see value. But in terms of anything tangible to what it means on the ice, they had three shots on goal there after that fight. So, like, Bulldog's words were, spare me anyone telling me that it fired up the boys. Because they ended up getting three shots on goal. They still were refusing to go to the middle of the ice. And you're being blasted by MSG commentators for the Rangers there after the game. Here's the thing. Two things can be true. You can love that Dylan Cousins did that. And you can also agree that it did absolutely nothing to affect the outcome of the game. Both things can be true. I love that Dylan Cousins, the 20-year-old who should not be the one that has to step up and show a spark of emotion in a emotionless hockey team, you can be happy he's the one that did it, and it was exciting, and it was fun, and he clearly won the fight, which is always yep. great. But you can also look at it objectively and say, you know, the Sabres can say whatever they want. And what are they going to say? They're going to say after the fact, oh, no, it was nothing. 
Could you imagine like your your rookie <laughs> player just went out and fought something that seems rather uncharacteristic of him to do, and you have a guy like Oposo or Eichel say, "No, it wasn't. It wasn't a big deal." Like, of course they're going to say it was a big deal. It wasn't actually a big deal in terms of the way they played. But what what did you think they were going to say? Like, I, I don't. No, I know. I'm not upset with what they said. Me neither. I'm more upset that it didn't translate to anything tangible on the ice. They should have. Your your nineteen year old rookie, who has been playing pretty darn well all season, just dropped the gloves and tried to fire everybody up, and the team's response was three shots on goal the rest of the way. I mean, you can make that a it's point. Disrespectful. You can make that a point of fighting does not really do that at the end of the day, uh, or you can also turn it the other way and say, well. If that doesn't get the Sabres going, this nothing will ever get this core going, this core group of players. Now, it also comes at a very inopportune time in the season. Like, that group right now, go individual by individual. If you're Eric Stahl sitting at home right now, what are you thinking about? Minnesota. I'm thinking of, well, Minnesota, sure. But I'm thinking about how long, how much longer here. How much longer here before I get dealt with the deadline and I can go play for a Stanley Cup? Don't if think I, it's just stall. Taylor Hall might be more to it because they're reportedly talking about an extension, even though I don't still understand how that's happening. Um, actually, I do kind of understand how that's happening. I think it's a career thing, but we can talk about that in the future. Uh, so that's what Stahl's thinking. If I'm Brandon Montour, what am I thinking about? My name's out there in trade rumors. Like, I could go for being traded to Boston right now or another contender, Florida. Like, that'd be nice. That That's what those guys are probably thinking. Then there are more complex players like Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhart who are maybe at a crossroads thinking, do I really want to stir things up? Do I want to cause trouble because and try to get myself out of here? Like, how committed am I to this long term? Those questions are – that those thoughts have to be going – through all of these guys' heads. Kyle Oposo has to be wondering if his career is over, you know? And Cousins is out there at the beginnings of his career and full marks to Cousins for trying it because I do not believe that at the end of the day, the teams with the best leadership will be the ones at the end of the day standing there with the Stanley Cup. I think the teams that scored the best and are the fastest and get the most saves are going to be the teams that win at the end of the day. But leadership's a nice little cherry on top to have. And to have a 20-year-old, 20, I had to correct myself because he just turned 20, actually. Um, To have a trait in him where he is the youngest kid here, he's got a group of veterans around him, and he's taking it on himself to feel like, I'm going to try to get these guys going. Again, it was never going to happen because of what this group of players is. But it does... Make me think about what Cousins is long-term, what he projects to. I am more worried about what he's doing on the ice. I think he's been good. I think he should be playing more. Points per 60 minutes, his chances generated per 60 minutes, he's right at the top of the team. But because of rest, I guess is what we're being fed, is why he's only playing 12 minutes a night. I'm not going to get into that because I don't know the whole rest situation thing. It seems kind of absurd to me. To be honest I mean, with you, but I'm not. I'm not going to get into it too yeah. much. And and Joe, here's what it comes down to. I think this is where I'm at for this point of the season. 
this isn't just about and, and here's the thing there's only a handful of players cousins being one of them that is meeting or exceeding expectations this year Ooh, that's a good question who else could you even argue sam reinhardt is playing very well i would say middle stat Sure, but the bar was, <laughs> but the bar was really low. I'm Real not, gonna, low. I'm not going to give that to Middlestat. I think, okay, because we, he, well, was, for, he was drafted in the top ten. Okay, that's right. If it depends where you go, if you if you set the bar when he was drafted, he's not nearly met it yet. If you set the bar at what we thought of him at the beginning of the season, I would say he's exceeded it. So it, it I'm depends. not going to throw him in that category. Okay. I still, I, I. Oh, that's fine. That's I acceptable. like where Middlestat is compared to last year, but I don't like where he is. So does anybody else fit that description for you then? Yeah. Cousins, Sam Reinhart, and of course, in typical Sabres luck, Jake McCabe and Will Borgen. Mm. Yep. That's where I'm at. That's it. And to me, if every player on your team is not playing to their potential or having a bad season, then the problem is the coach. Because that does not... That just does not happen for 20-some players, that they all just decide to have a bad season together. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, the, my, there's so many issues with the coach and how he's operating the team right now. The line combinations themselves. Brutal. Victor what, what was Olofsson, Cousins doing on the third line yesterday? Well, that, right. Him on the third line. He has been, in terms of offensive possession, he's been dominant when him and Taylor Hall have been on the ice together this year. Those two together have been an incredible combination. But we got to split it apart for whatever reason. Victor Olofsson continues to sit up on the top line. We talk about accountability from this coach week after week, but here's a guy that is not generating anything at 5-on-5. The most consistent thing on the team, yes, is him on the power play. I don't want to touch that by any means. But he's doing nothing 5-on-5. And if you look at... Eichel and Reinhardt's play away from him, it's actually been better mm. away from Victor Olofsson this season. And he still deserves, of course, a place on this team. But you got a guy in the fourth line who doesn't do anything on the power play, but is one of the more proven five on five scorers in the league. He's the one we're not giving that opportunity to, while the guy who doesn't produce at five on five is getting it. That's a simple concept that this coach hasn't understood yet this season. Now, I could point to. What you just did, or what you just said, about how, who are they getting the most out of? Who's this coach getting the most out of? Who's he doing that with? And I can then point to the blue line and say, well, his system also doesn't fit a lot of the skill sets of this defenseman. Dmitry Filipovic from the PDO cast was on Howard and Jeremy this morning. He talked about how the system Kruger has set up is designed to limit as many chances from the defenseman. To basically keep them in a bubble and make sure that their number one priority is not making mistakes. And you have got Rasmus Dahlin, who should not be stuck in a system like that. You have got Brandon Montour, who I don't really like as a player, but he might be your best skating defenseman out there. You want him jumping up in the rush, and he's not really allowed to do that, it seems. And you've got Colin Miller, Rasmus Dahlin, who have some offensive traits of their own. It's like, let the leash off these guys a little bit. And... That, to me, at least for the defense, that explains why most of those guys are not, you're not getting the most out of them. McCabe, I think you were right, you are, but that might be the only one. And, and I think that's, listen, what is McCabe? Well, he's a defensive defenseman. He's a defensive <laughs> defenseman, so <laughs> right. of course. But, Makes sense. And here's the thing, I'm also, this is a take, but I'm ready to make Rasmus Dalina forward. <laughs> I'm I'm seriously right. Just throw <laughs> him, throw take. throw him up with uh, with someone. 
Throw him up with Taylor Hall and, <laughs> and Cousins. Make Cousins the center, Rasmus Dahlin and, and Taylor Hall. I, I think that's a little extreme, but I'm not going to crush you from it. I'm sure others will. Here's the uh, thing, but, but Joe, like, I say that somewhat jokingly, but if you aren't allowing a guy whose blatant strength is his transition game and Dahlin and his creativity with the puck, and if you're going to hamper that style of play, then he can't play that. Right. And the and the results speak for themselves. He's not doing well in this system. Well, right, and that's why that's why I would think the coach needs to go before I oh, turn Darlene into a forward. Of course, but you're right. <laughs> I'm I'm saying that only if uh you know we're stuck here with Kruger for an extended period of time. You just made me think by the way of a comment that Craig Button of TSN made a couple years ago, like the couple weeks before the draft, we had him on the station and he said that if Darlene was a center, he would still go first overall. Yeah, that's <laughs> like w- w- do you think he would be a bad forward? No. So oh, but no. I I don't see how it's such a laughable idea. If well, you're gonna, it's it's if you're going to have a system that that favors mm-hmm. stay-at-home defensemen, you are ser- you are literally cutting off his his skill set. You know what? I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna dispute you because at this point I'm ready to see <laughs> anything. And we've had how many people call in over the years and say, "Why don't we try Ristolainen out on the wing?" So, and they've done that by the way on the power play with him, which is kind of funny that that's come full circle. I I also don't know what needs to happen for this coach to be removed. I've got Pierre LeBrun talking today in Canada about how Sabres ownership like you're never going to you're never going to go anywhere if you keep moving on from guys every three years but you're also at the same time and we've had this debate several times before you need to see signs that you have the right man in place you need to see some signs of that and to me I don't have any I definitely don't have enough Signs that Ralph Kruger is the right man to be behind the bench. So to say that they shouldn't move on from move on from him just because they've done it a bunch of times before, that's faulty logic. And but I wonder if that's in their heads. I wonder if that's in Kevin Adams and the Sabres management's heads. That we keep doing this over and over and over. We need to stick with it. We need continuity. We need to stick with it. And what the other reason I wonder if that's what they're thinking right now is that report that we've all kind of probably forgotten about from last week that there's mutual interest between Taylor Hall and the Sabres about a long-term extension remember why Hall and I I, I thought a lot about that at the time like why is this happening this makes no sense what are the Sabres seeing out of Hall that wants them to lock makes them want to lock him up right now what does Hall see out of the Sabres that makes him want to stay here for long term the one part of it now that I've thought about that does make sense is thinking back to how he got here and how instrumental Ralph Kruger was to bringing Taylor Hall to Buffalo. Taylor Hall is not a Sabre today if Ralph Kruger is not their head coach. Well, then they would have, without Taylor Hall, they'd have one fewer goal than they have. <laughs> right. But but what that makes me think is, is Hall signing an extension here if Kruger's not the coach? That makes me think, that rumor, that they're thinking about Hall long-term... If they're thinking about Hall long-term, I think Kruger right now is safe. I don't think that... You don't, do you think there has to be a correlation between those two things? I hope not. I don't think that's how you should make a decision. Just one, If one no, player right. wants to sign here because of the coach, I don't think that's how you should make the decision. I'm, I'm not arguing that's what they should do. Okay. 
But that seems to be, to me, where the winds are blowing. But I will also say, when that report came out, since then, they've lost four games in a row. So there would be a breaking point at some point, I'm sure. Ugh, you just cannot make a decision. If, you, if your decision is to keep Kruger for the sake of consistency, what are you doing when the consistency is bad? It would be here's a, I'm going to throw the Bills here. Okay. The Bills had a bad season in 2018. They went 6 and 10. Yep. But the year before Sean McDermott broke the drought. Yeah. There were signs of them being a good coaching staff building something in 2018 with Josh Allen. There were signs no one questioned the idea of McDermott returning the following year. Why? Because we saw the signs. We are now a year and a half deep with this coaching staff, mm-hmm. with specifically Kruger, and there are no signs. In fact, I would say much of the team has regressed. You look at Jack Eichel. I mean, I mean, it, it's you don't He's, even have to use the eye test, but you could. Yeah, you could just look at stats. You could just watch the games, and this team has regressed. They can't score, Joe. They can't score goals. Every single night is a threat to be a shutout. If I put the over on, if I, before every single game for the remainder of the season, if I put the over under at one and a half goals scored for the Sabres, <laughs> a majority of the time I'm hitting under. Uh, you are. And that's embarrassing. It, it's an embarrassing mark, is what it is. They have too much high level talent for that to be the mark. I completely agree. 8030550 is the phone number if you want to talk Sabres, but we will transition to the Bills and NFL wide, some free agency stuff. I want to ask you about one team specifically and what they're going to end up with at quarterback. There's one team in the middle. There actually maybe there's two, but there's one specific team I want to get to that is in win now mode. And I can't. No one can quite pin down what's going to happen with them. So we'll talk about them, and then some Bills free agency stuff uh, when we come back. Running back. Let's revisit that conversation. Um, I'm starting to change my opinion a little bit. I'm starting to change my thought process on Ooh. that position a little bit. I don't think too much, but we'll get into it when we come back. Here on the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney. This is WGR. had Tom Brady start winning Super Bowls. We had Peyton Manning start dominating. And we had Eli Manning winning Super Bowls. And we saw this boilerplate drop back West Coast offense. Put five guys into the concept. Three over here, two over there. That's facing that slant flat. Pick a side. Read it. Peyton Manning's a genius. Tom Brady's a genius. We saw this successful mold of quarterback in the early mid-2000s drive quarterback evaluation for 10 plus years. That's how you got Brady Quinn in the first round and Matt Leiner in the first round from a mental perspective and from an accuracy (laughs) perspective. You have to be perfect. Now we've seen success from Patrick Mahomes. We've seen success from Josh Allen. We've seen success from Kyler Murray. As teams have gotten better at creating those in-structure plays, those easy nickel and dime plays, just X's and O's on the chalkboard. So now all of a sudden out-of-structure creation becomes that much more valuable because it's a lot easier to be successful in structure as offensive design smarter. Ben Solak from the Draft Network. We'll talk quarterbacks in just a couple of minutes here. 8030550 is the phone number. Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney here on the Nightcap. Let's take a couple of calls. What will it take for Ralph Kruger to be let go? Is there a th- is there a line 
Could they lose the rest of their games this year? And maybe he stays. I don't know. They are 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. And you just saw a team with, of course, higher standards right now in the Montreal Canadiens fire their coach after going 2-6 and six in an eight-game stretch. Who had Stanley Cup pedigree. And had, done, had them in a playoff spot. They moved on because they're thinking about... Brendan doesn't think they should be thinking about, but they are thinking about winning a Stanley Cup. They're not thinking about rebuilding. Oh, yeah, they're closer to thinking about a Stanley Cup than right. rebuilding. That's what that move is, I think. But I just still think it's the wrong move. To let him go? Julian? No. Because you, I you think, think it's the wrong I think mindset. coaches should be fired a lot. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's the wrong mindset. I am finally, by the way, like in like let's just get me a retread. I never wanted to be there. I liked the idea of Kruger because he was different. Maybe that's why I don't want to do it now, because they just tried that. Like two years ago, I wanted Ricard Gronberg. Why? Because nobody's done that yet, amazingly. You've got a guy who's had in- incredible success in Europe c- from a different avenue than any team ever hires from. That's available, and he wants to come. But I like even now, I don't have the stomach for that. Like I, I give just give, I I'm, maybe too much of it is what does Jack Eichel think? If you hire a coach from Sweden, what does Jack <laughs> Eichel think? He's like, does he does he speak English? Like, I don't know. I'm not I'm not on board with that. I'll say that. I'm I'm on board with the region. L- listen, there's a reason why these coaches get hired. It's because they've had success. And I'm not saying that I want every hire to be a retread. And I'm not saying that teams should be aggressive and look at alternative philosophies. But there's no denying that Bruce Boudreau has had a lot of success in the league now. He also had players like Nicholas Backstrom and Alexander Ovechkin and John Carlson for a lot of that success, and Braden Holtby. So maybe it's apples to oranges, but there's a reason that these guys like the Laviolettes and the Boudreaux of the world keep getting rehired places. Yeah. We're going to get to your calls in just one second. But something I just thought about Kruger that I've really never thought of before, if you do think about where they hired him from, I don't even care about Southampton. Like he had, he was really more focused on, like, I hate to use a word he uses, but core principles. Like he didn't really have his hands on personnel. Cause guess what? Everyone wants to call him the soccer guy, but I remember reading things about him in Southampton, and fans hated him in Southampton because he was a hockey guy. So that's I don't even want to get into that part of it. But before that. Like, a reason I thought this is a different type of route is he had experience coaching in international hockey. The, the Little World Cup tournament that they had five years ago, uh, Switzerland, he coached for a while, and the Olympics, Hockey Canada. Um, he was Hockey Canada's advisor during the Olympics five years ago, six years ago. Like, that's really where his roots were from was being able to coach overseas. And if you actually think about it, that's how they play. Kruger seems to be operating the Sabres team like they are Switzerland. Right? Like, always the second best team on the ice. When you're playing Canada, when you're playing the U.S., when you're playing Sweden, like, you're just trying to make it to the end. You're just trying to make as few mistakes as possible. 
And maybe, and then even like Team Europe in that World Cup, they were the least talented team there. And you kind of had to play the same style. Maybe Kruger is just so used to having the second best team on the ice that he doesn't know what to do when he's actually got some talent, some elitely talented players. Because there's no doubt that Jack Eichel, Rasmus Dahlin, Taylor Hall, like these are in the top 1% of players he's ever coached. And there's multiple of them on the same team. I'm just, and I've said this a lot before, I'm just so tired of the overcoaching, and I'm not just referencing Kruger here, Over, even though I think that that applies to the situation. Mm-hmm. I'm just sick of overcoaching in this sport. It, it just too. takes the fun out of it. And Oh, and we get to watch the Islanders Sabres three consecutive <sighs> games. How, How are we not out of games? How are you for that? <laughs> How are we not out of games with them yet? <laughs> We're almost done. Um, all right, let's go to the phones. Kyle is first up. You're on the nightcap. What's up, Kyle? Gentlemen, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm going to confess, I, I really am not looking forward to three games against the <laughs> Islanders. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. For the reminder. <laughs> not thrilling. Uh, yeah, no, no. Um, I, for, first off, miss, miss my friends in Buffalo. Um, I'm a Canadian by trade, but an American by heart. So let's let's hope soon that the border opens up and uh, I can spend more time in, in your nice part of the world. Um, I, I guess just to make a comment about the, the Sabres, who are my team, gentlemen, um, I, I think the, the one thing that's abundantly clear to me that, that perhaps we're not talking about, and it's, it's not about coaching and it's not about you know where guys come from, I think the reality is Eichel doesn't want to be here, guys. The, the man is immensely talented. The, the guy is a phenom. There's no doubt about it. But I think he's checked out. And, and my suspicion, and, and call me out on this, please feel free to, but my suspicion is is once Eichel moves on, Rasmus Dahlin's a different guy. Uh, Taylor Hall is a different guy. And, and, and my comparison is Ryan O'Reilly. Like, Ryan O'Reilly wanted out of here because of Jack Eichel. Uh, guys, I think he's got to go. Where, where do you – why do you get that – why do you get that, uh, that sense? Well, uh, I'm going to confess, a buddy of mine's dad was the GM of the Sabres a number of years ago. He's, he's connected with the team, and he says Eichel doesn't want to be here. Okay, all right. Th- thanks for the call, Kyle. I meant the O'Reilly thing, but I think – I hated that thing because then – also, it's out. Oh well, O'Reilly's first trip back to Buffalo, and him and Eichel are having dinner together. Well, they really hated each other, didn't they? Right. Um, I don't. I think that is such an overplayed and not known narrative to say that O'Reilly and Eichel right. didn't get along. I, I don't want to. I'm discrediting his buddy, who's friends with the former GM, who was that Darcy, uh, say, thinking that Eichel does indeed want out. I mean, of, of course he's frustrated, and it's completely reasonable to think he could want out. Sure. I'm just getting. I'm getting tired of the Eichel thing, like with the not Eichel himself, but every team that comes through the door, it's like, oh, what do we need to give up to get Jack Eichel? And you know what? I, I won't blast these other fans and these other media for doing that because guess what? If that was happening to we'd someone be else's best player, thing. we'd be doing the exact same thing. But it is getting it's getting exhausting for me. With every passing game, I'm getting more and more open to the idea of an Eichel trade, not because I want him out of here, just because I want to feel something. 
And that's a terrible place to make that's a decision from. Terrible right. place to make a decision from. But it, it is. I, I just want a massive shakeup. And I, I like Eichel a lot. I think he's been pretty much everything that was advertised when the Sabres took him number two. There was a reason that they tanked for McDavid slash Eichel. And they got Eichel, and he's been really good. But every day, as a fan, the fan in me who just wants something interesting to happen, every passing game where they get shut out or lose to another bad team like the Rangers, it just, there's something in me is like, oh, maybe it would be interesting. And that's pretty much the most I can hope for with the Sabres these days is yeah. something interesting. Let's go to Jonathan and Alden. You're on the nightcap. What's up, Jonathan? Hey, Joe. Hey, Brandon. Um, pretty much agree with you. I mean, I think trading Eichel could be a good, uh, could be a good idea just to um, just to have something interesting. But it's just um, as far as Ralph Kruger, um, well, I don't, I don't know what it's going to take to get him fired. I mean, the book. The Sabres really need a new coach, but the problem is the Pagouls have whiffed on three coaches in a row, and when you count the Bills, they're one for five. So the Pagouls really need to change something. Either they need to change this or sell this team because they, they, they've been screwing up this team for a decade, and I can't take any more. I'll hang up and listen, but they got to thank, change. Thank, thanks for the call, Jonathan. I don't – if something's got to give, I hope the Ross – well. No, I hope it's the coach. I hope the coach is next. Yes. Even though, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, like in the, you know, it seems to go GM, coach, roster, GM, right. coach, roster. They might not be next up, but, like, I want to shake up too. But I don't I'm not yet sold that that needs to come from the top. I'm warming up to it, but I'm not sold by any means that the guys they need to move on from are Eichel and Reinhardt. I'm not sold on that either, and I want to make that very clear yeah. by saying uh, maybe a trade would be interesting. That's all it would be. You're going to lose the trade. The, te- the team that gives up the best player in the deal generally, if not always, loses the trade. When you trade a player for spare parts, that's what they are. They're spare yep. parts. And so I don't want that to happen, but I also want to be entertained because that's what sports is about. And I'm not even being entertained. So for the the sake of being a fan and having something interesting happen to this organization, that is about the most interesting thing that could happen. Even if it would be bad. That's where I'm at. Let's go to Mike in Detroit. Mike, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, good. I grew up, actually, uh, in Buffalo and... uh, been following the Sabres since I was a kid. I've noticed that when they're bouncing from coach to coach to coach, it seems like the Pagulas don't really want to invest in a coach that's branded as being a motivator or, you know, you look at what Gerard Gallant did in Vegas, you know, off of a, you know, an expansion draft. And it seems like they bring in Kruger, who hasn't coached the NHL in a long time, and he's just not hitting the mark. Yeah, and Mike, thanks for the call. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I feel like that's actually where Kruger's maybe only positive trait lies. Is like he was hired in t- a lot because like he wrote a book on it, like positive communication, getting the most out of people, keeping them in good spirits, good mindsets. Like, I don't know if he falls short in, like, the motivation regard. 
Maybe maybe he does. I, I don't, don't I don't see a motivated team on the ice this year. I'll tell you that. I I'm not, I'm not going to be the one to, to argue with it on that honestly. Uh Mike, another Mike. You're on the nightcap. What's up Mike? Hey guys. Um what Ralph Kruger reminds me of is the football coach that you know, you've got a great running back, you run all the way down the field from your own 25 on you know nine run plays, get five or six yards he got the ball first and goal at the half-yard line, and he's got to show how smart he is by throwing to the, to the tackle uh, on a tackle-eligible play. And it's like he, he, he comes to the team, and he's got a, a winger who, for the first time in his career, has played with a right-handed center, and he scores 40 goals. And Kruger's got to come and say, I'm smarter than everybody. I'm going to break these two up because it'll add to scoring on the second line. They go 53 games, and Skinner has 14 goals. The second line can't score because they don't have a center. But Kruger is just too stubborn and has to prove that he's smarter than everybody and won't put them back together until there's three games left in the season last year. This season, the same thing happens. He just refuses to admit that he's made a mistake. And that's the, the, that's the problem with bad coaches. They just are so stubborn that they'd rather go down fighting their battle the way they want to fight it rather than making a change for the better because then they'd have to admit that they were wrong. And that's the yeah. problem with it. Thanks for the call, Mike. I'm not going to be the one to tell you you're wrong. I think you're maybe right. You go down a road far enough with a player. These guys have egos. Could totally be right that he thinks, I if I put Skinner back with Eichel, everyone's going to look at me like I'm an idiot. You know? There could be an element of that going on. Doesn't make it right. Something's got to give there. He's under contract for seven years. If this coach wants to stick around, Jeff Skinner is going to be one of his players. I just don't. That whole thing just bothers me, the whole Skinner thing. It just bothers me. There's just something about it that makes me more frustrated, perhaps, than the losses themselves. Because it is blatantly obvious Jeff Skinner needs a player like Eichel to reach his potential. It is blatantly obvious. Or, I mean, Eric Stahl to get him to 20 goals? Like... He's been that player in his career when he hasn't had Jack Eichel. And, and listening to Howard this morning, I thought he made a great point. It's like, why are the Sabres worried about scoring depth when there's no scoring, period? <laughs> and I think that's a great point. Why are you worried about scoring depth? Why are you worried about making sure there's balanced lines when your top lines can't get goals? And even at that point, if you get it, it's artificial. Like, you can, you, sure, go put Jack Eichel in the fourth line. Play him ten minutes a night. Oh, I've got depth scoring all of a sudden. It, it it's fake. Sure, is what it is. Even if they if they were getting that out of Jeff Skinner to me, it would be fake right now because they don't have it at the top. You've got a guy making yeah. nine million dollars who objectively has had a rough year and a half since signing that extension with the Sabers, and there just seems to be no urgency to maximize no. him as a player or his value. It seems like the coach has given up on him. And it's That's just, what it looks it's like just to me. Absurd to me. That whole situation is just absurd. And How yeah. is Jeff Skinner playing on your fourth line? Oh wait, they don't number lines. <laughs> I always hate that too. Just look at ice time. It's very easy. 
But you're right. Um, it's the fourth line. By anything you look at, it's the fourth line. And he's on it. 803-0550 is the phone number. All right, to football when we come back. Specifically, I'm going to talk about Washington. I don't know what they're going to do, but I think I have a good idea of, uh, like, generally what they're going to be looking for. That's the one team I'm still trying to pin down league-wide. We'll get to them when we come back. Switch to football. Jody Biasi and Brian and Brendan Keeney here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Jody Biasi and Brendan Keeney. One more segment here. A lot of Sabres talk today, maybe even more than I was planning on, but that's sometimes you get the ball rolling and you just can't stop it. Capitals and Bruins, by the way, is going on right now on NBCSN. Ovechkin hurt. The first thing I think of when I saw Ovechkin hurt, and I don't know how serious it was, he was very slow at getting up. A huge collision between him and Charlie McAvoy, completely accidental. The first thing I think of, though, is the goal record. I don't know if that's like immediately in everyone's heads yet, but he is 180, no less, 178 goals away, I think is the number. And that is like, every time I, that's all I'm thinking about with Ovechkin. Every time he scores, every time he's down on the ice like that. I want him to get that record. He's got a real legitimate shot. I think he might get it. Um, All right, to football. Washington is not a team we've spent a lot of time talking about. The Bills will play them this season, Uh, assuming that this 17-game plan goes through where you will play a team from the other conference and you will play a team that matched your standing in your own division. So the Bills would play the winner of the NFC East. Last year that was Washington. And... Among the teams you could play, by the way, that finished first in your division, that's probably the best the best team the Bills could have drawn there uh, for that 17th game. But there's also no, there's nothing on what they're going to do with quarterback other than it's not going to be Alex Smith because they released him or they plan on releasing him. They re-signed Taylor Heineke. They're not going to do that, right? I mean, I he was good in think so. He was good in the playoff game, but I don't think you do that. I think what they do, they pick 19th. They should think they can win that division. Again, of course. Dak will be back, so Dallas will be a threat. The Eagles are probably going to be bad. The Giants are probably going to be bad. And you've got a great defense. You've got good weapons on offense, especially with Terry McLaurin and um, and Antonio Gibson. And Logan Thomas. And Logan, Tom- Logan Thomas. <laughs> like, what do they end up with, though? Are they just going to... They're not going to be New England, are they? Where they just wait to the end and they pick the best guy available? But they also don't have, at least draft pick-wise, they can't move up high enough, I think, to get a rookie that'll play well enough right away. And I don't think 19 is getting you Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson if those guys are available. So I don't really know where they end up. I think Jameis Winston's the guy I keep thinking about for them. But he's got to get out of New Orleans somehow. Yeah, and I've the guy I've had pegged there is Sam Darnold. Oh, yeah, that's right. You said that maybe a couple weeks ago. I, I think like that, that makes sense, and not because it would be their plan A. B, I think they, they played too well last year to really have a plan A. Too well for a 7-9 and nine team, or whatever <laughs> they were. Uh, but they played just good enough to kind of hurt themselves in, like you just said, like they, the 19th pick in the draft. That's not That just doesn't compare to what other teams can offer in some of these trades and it doesn't get you a guy likely doesn't get you a guy at 19 unless you want to trade up and even if you can trade up you're not trading up to get Lawrence 
You're probably not trading up to get Zach Wilson at that point. Like the, You're not getting a guy who's going to be there day one ready to help you win the NFC East. So they're in a tough spot because I agree. They have a good enough roster where I think they should be in win-now mode. Here's an idea. Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> I like it. Because that is Fitz's best shot at the playoffs, I think. If for, as a starter, for, thinking as for, a starter, yeah, from Fitz, yeah. from Fitz's perspective, if he wants one more shot at making the playoffs, he finds his way to Washington. Maybe he's competing with a guy. Maybe he's competing with Winston, like he did in Tampa. But I think he gets his way to Washington. Well, they wouldn't do two guys. They just signed Heineke. Um, yeah, Heineke's firmly their backup. But I would, maybe. I would give a long look at Fitzpatrick, and I would think about Darnold trading whatever sense. it would take to get Darnold. And I don't even know what that is—a fourth, a fifth round pick. Ooh, I was thinking second. I still think that's way too much. But I think that's what someone gives. I think he has less value than what Josh Rosen had when he was traded for a second to Miami because Josh Rosen was still relatively unknown. We've seen more of Darnold, and I think that hurts them in, him in this case. Last guy I'll mention on them. I, I doubt either of us will like this idea, but maybe it's realistic because of the connection between the head coach and him, but Cam Newton. I don't think that's a win-now move. I'm sorry. I think Ron Rivera might think it's a win-now move. I think Ron Rivera would be wrong. I, do I don't too. know how you can look at what happened. Now, a little bit different circumstances, a little bit more talent on Washington than what the Patriots had, but I don't know how you can dissect Cam Newton's play, play from last year and think to yourself, that's the guy we want to get in here to help us win a division. Especially, I think the Cowboys are going to be favorites if Dak comes back healthy. To win the division? Yeah. A healthy Dak. Yeah, who, who would have to be Washington's quarterback to get you to pick Washington? To get me to like, pick Washington? Would you pick them with Winston? No. I, I, think, I might. Come on. I think Dallas' defense is a joke. But look at what they have with Dak. But last last year they had, early in the season, they had Dak, and they just couldn't, they, they lost, they gave Cleveland you're 50. Right. You're right. But it has to maybe maybe Winston would be close for me. They're going. To I don't know that they defense. could do. I don't know that they could do better than that. Where I would be like, oh, for sure, you know. Um, they they have a way better defense. But I'm saying that the the Cowboys are going to improve oh. their defense this offseason. I don't know Probably. how much could happen. And defenses are weird. You know that they're they kind of flip flop from year to year, and who really knows? There's not a lot of a whole lot of continuity unless you're one of the elite defenses that has a ton of pieces in place year Th- after year. This is why Washington's in a weird spot. They're going to end up with one of these guys, and there's like a billion of them: Mariota, Fitzpatrick, Winston, Minshew. Uh, Mariota makes some sense. Newton, to me. like, Mar- yeah, a lot of these guys are. Probably an upgrade over what you had last year, but there's eight of them. They're gonna so they're gonna pick. be hard pressed with one of those guys to compete with Dallas. I think they're fortunate in that seven teams are going to Andy Dalton. the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> maybe Andy Dalton signs up for Washington. They get to play the Giants and the Eagles twice. That's true. I think I think that'll be a close race, given what Washington's options are at quarterback. All right, that's it for tonight's show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Sabres versus the Islanders tomorrow night, so we will join you next on Friday. Stay tuned. Pit, not Pit Reporters, excuse me. Garage Pass up next, and then ESPN Radio right after this on WGR.